There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. He put just flour all over his symbols. So the first, the first note he hit, it just went everywhere, all over. And I, honestly, and that's the thing, we tried, we tried, but he never really forgave us. Welcome to the Humorology Podcast with me, Paul Barros, and my glittering lineup of guests from the worlds of business, sport, music, and entertainment, who are here to share their wisdom and their use of humour with you. Humorology is the study of how humour can dramatically improve every aspect of your business and your life. Humorology puts the fun into business fundamentals, increases the value of your laughing stock, and puts a punchline back into your bottom line. Please remember to like, subscribe and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. My guest on this edition of the Humorology podcast is an award-winning songwriter, musician and founding member of the pop rock band The Kooks, where he performs lead vocals and plays guitar. Their debut album, Inside In, Inside Out, has gone platinum five times over, with hits such as Naive... Ula, and she moves in her own way. The Kooks have produced five more studio albums, gaining much critical and commercial success. Their newest album, Ten Tracks to Echo in the Dark, was released this past summer. When he isn't making music with the Kooks, you can find him performing with his wife, Ellie Rose. The pair began releasing cosy and punchy pop music during the pandemic under the name Duo. Taking a brief break from his European tour with the Kooks, we caught up with Luke in his hotel room in Barcelona. Luke Pritchard, welcome to the Humorology Podcast. Oh, hello, Paul. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Well, it's an absolute pleasure. Uh, you know, we've had a couple of uh, uh, rockers... Um, Mark Bedford from uh, Madness and uh, other people from the music business, but we've never had a lead singer before, so it's a uh, lovely oh, wow. to, yeah. I'm on. Uh, I'm honoured. I'm honoured. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's great. It's it's interesting because you know humour does play such a role in music, so I, I'm I'm quite excited to open it all up, and um, certainly for me, it's always uh, I've always loved uh, artists that that. that put a bit of humour in their music. So, yeah, great to chat about it. Well, Madness were one of those artists, weren't they, who uh, did yeah. amazing stuff with their videos. Um, and yeah. uh, Mark Bedford told us a lot about that. Now, you grew up in West Sussex, and um, the Jesuits say 
give me a child of seven and I will give you the man. What was the young <laughs> Luke Pritchard like? Um, well, you know what? Um, I was I was like the smallest kid for for my childhood. I was always um, <clears throat> so I was a little bit scrappy, um, a little bit shy. <clears throat> and uh, certainly wasn't um, the guy with all the jokes, you know, that wasn't me. Um, I I think that's why I kind of got into music in a way, you know, it's like a, it's a, a good place to be when you're that kind of kid. Um, and, you know, I, did, I wasn't into sport, you know, I was rubbish at that. Um, and so, yeah, just um, I was the kind of kid uh, at the back, you know, with my guitar in the shade, basically. But, um, but I was a good kid. I was a good kid. You know, I was all right, I think. That's interesting because many musicians and comedians are, are intrinsically shy. I mean, I work with comedians mm. all over the world. I've worked with tons of musicians and intrinsically shy. And there's a saying that performance is the shy person's revenge on the world. Do you think that's true? <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I do think that's kind of true. I think it's um it's a, it's it's a kind of strangeness about life, the the kind of absurdity of being a human, isn't it, that you actually find you're most comfortable um in front of loads of people on a stage and whereas like, you know, in like a group of people talking, you're not it's 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 a bizarre thing. I think yeah, you do find uh some kind of solace almost in that. And I mean I think uh, there's a, a there's a funny relation there, and it seems to be a bit of a pattern, doesn't it? Um, and and I think it helps you, you know. I'd say like it for me for sure. Like I'm 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 I found that like helped me find my feet by by performing, and then uh, and then being able to maybe you know get a bit better at those things in the other aspects of my life. So it, it's um, it's kind of medicine, really. Oh, I'm interested in the idea of it being medicine and it, it, uh, humour as medicine, music as medicine, uh, those mm. things. It, it, does it just give you a place in the world? And when you were young, did you feel that, you know, you needed to find something to to actually... Well, I don't know if, if the show-off gene was there because I think... <laughs> but you know what I mean. That You know, yeah. I think I have it as well. Um, but it's there, but you need to find a way into it. Was that like it? For yeah, you? yeah, it, yeah, for sure. I, th I think I, I always was a bit performative, but but in a way, it's like uh, I was just comfortable to be silly, and I think that's part of being a front man as well. Is like you know the front men that I I, I look up to. Um, I'm I you know I'm I'm more. I'm, I'm more, you know, more looking at, you know, the, the, the kind of jaggers and, and this way. It is like, it, it's it's silly, you know, and um, I was always comfortable to do that and put myself um, in that position. I, I, and I don't know why, but um, that was just, just me. I think a lot of people, um, especially like when I was at music college and stuff, people wanted to take it quite seriously. And I think... Um, that's all that served me quite well in the kooks because I, I I'm quite happy to 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 be a bit silly and 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 to not and to be quite light-hearted with it really you know and I love you know like Ray Davies and the Kinks and the silliness you know and McCartney and that kind that was always what I looked up to really was like um being quite deep 
emotionally, but also being able to be silly as well with that whole um, expression. Um, and I, I don't know how I, I, I just found it appealing. I think it was quite um, gave me a bit of, bit of freedom, really. And I, and I, and like I said, I think I made a bit of a decision early on when I was a teenager that I was just I, I, I'm just like I'm not gonna care what people think when I'm on that stage maybe I, I do too much off it but um and then you find people love that do you know what I mean and then all of a sudden you're like you think you're being silly and everyone's like wow you're like quite cool <laughs> like, you know. well with that, I love this link between silly and cool because I mean mm. why are we so drawn to people who make us laugh you know, to people who can mm. be silly. And mm. is that, are you acting it out for other people? And they think that, but we are intrinsically, you talked about Jagger being silly. And I think you're right. I think there's a mm. lack of care and there's a, I, I, you're sort of the ability to laugh at yourself as well. Do you think that's well, it's also quite It's also quite sexy. <laughs> yes. you know it is in a weird way I think I think it's just it's about inhibitions when you think about it as a performer I think there's just there's in music um if we take music I'm sure it's exactly the same in the business world and stuff but I've got much experience in that but with music there are you could almost put people into two categories I think I remember um in Chronicles Bob Dylan he talked about this you have like the performers that are almost behind the curtain and then the performers that are in front of it and you don't really necessarily get to choose but but as a performer I've always been like you know people are coming they're paying their money to have a good night to like forget their worries forget themselves they they want a bit of silliness and a bit of a bit of uh, light-heartedness with it as well as um as having subtext and meaning behind your words and and stuff like that and but but yeah I, I think um like I say, for me, I, I naturally was drawn to that side of things. That's what I liked doing myself when I went to gigs. Well, that's really interesting because from a psychological perspective, there's a saying that if you want anyone to go into any state, you have to go into that state first. So mm. what you're saying is that that you're calling it silliness. I call it sort of somewhere between silliness and charisma. But that ability... <laughs> To go into that state, everybody's going, oh, I love that he can go there and it makes it easier for me to go there. And you just mentioned, mm. you know, people like Jagger. Now, you are talking as a performer and we kind of understand that thing. And you're saying it's silly. But most people are looking at Jagger and going, it's sexy. It's, <laughs> you know, confident. Mm. It's charismatic. But... I think you're right. And I think you've really hit on something that, that this silliness and the uh, able to send yourself up is... Yeah. Has, is... It's, the, it's the circus. It's the circus, you know, and it's like, you see, he's, um, he, he, you know, he's wiggling his butt and he, he's like, he's going into, you know, you see the footage of him going into the um, fancy dress um you know, boxes they've got behind. He's like, you know, it, it's it's fun. It's fun, and it makes you. Yes, um, it it has all those other things, the cool and the sexiness, but but fundamentally, you, I guess, it is. It makes everyone at the show just like lose themselves and like get a bit loose. And a lot of people struggle to get loose in life, you know. And it's just about wiggling out of the rigid 
society that we sometimes live in, I think. That's the job. Yeah, I love your idea that it's it's like the circus. It's, it allows ourselves to free ourselves. But you can't be truly free until the person on stage has embodied it for you, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. You uh, went to the Brit School at one stage, which is for people that don't know who listen all over the world is, you know, you know, people like Adele went there, Rizal Kicks, Jesse J, all that. Was that part of uh, what you learnt there or was this sense of fun, this sense of circus, this sense of silliness, something that you discovered uh, along the way I guess I did learn it there really I think it was interesting being surrounded by so many other like talented musicians and I I guess I I, I was like I'm gonna have to find a way to compete with these guys you know <laughs> so I guess in some ways then it, was, it, it became like um, choosing that path but 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 yeah I think um, I learned I learned a lot from from just being around different styles of music there particularly because I'd really just my back you know what I grew up on would have been just you know Everly Brothers and Dylan and and you know all this kind of uh and like rock and roll obviously and R&B and stuff and then going to Brit school opened me up to like all kinds of different music so that was I'd say the main thing that I learned there was like you know I used to play I play guitar for you know Leona Lewis or whatever in a band and doing like R and B soul and stuff and um, there there was you know lot lots of um, lots of that and and yeah I saw people who were much more uh, they done a lot more performing than me I mean I I used to be in a band called Basement Band because we used to rehearse in the basement um, and you know our one gig we managed to get was at the bandstand in Clapham Common because no one would let us play. So when I got, we were so, we were so bad, but it was like, when I got to Britain, it was like, I, I had that, I, I was, I was able to get on stage and see what I could do. Um, but at that point I wasn't a front man. I really, my thing was like, I wanted to write songs for people. So that came maybe a bit later in when I, I moved to Brighton. But, um, but yeah, you know, it, it's, it's, it, 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 it was, I think, to answer your question directly, it's like it's like you had to stand out there because there were so many good people. So it's like then again that it's like peacocking, isn't it? You have to like just jump out a bit and like do something, be a bit more of a of the silliness maybe that helps you get noticed even. Well, well, you obviously did get noticed because uh, at, I think you were just seventeen years old when the Kooks had their first hit. I mean. <laughs> Did, did that test your sanity? Did it test your humour? Because uh, it's a big thing, uh, especially when you're young, to get all that adulation, isn't it? Without going too deep into it, yeah, I think I I, I did lose my humour for a bit. In fact, one of one of my managers, um, we had the same we've had the same managers for nearly twenty years now. And, uh, one of the managers said that to me. He, I think on on the third album, he was like. It's great to see you finally got your humor back, because <laughs> like I did go, but I, it, I think it was it, it was pretty challenging. Um, it was quite a different climate then as well. I, I definitely, um, I found 
fame quite difficult um, because it it did it. You don't realise how priceless anonymity is until you don't have it, and stuff just like it was. It, it was just like in Brighton, um, quite a small city. Everyone would come up to you. I, I had to get security, which is not fun. I mean, it sounds like all cool and everything, but like it's not cool, you know, because I, I had a lot of people just come up and it's all this kind of bollocks. So. Um, so I did, it was quite hard being that young, um, but I wouldn't change it. You know, I think in the end of the day, we, we all dealt with it and um, kind of got through it. And there were some unbelievably cool times as well. Um, but I certainly, I think I got a bit serious for a bit, you know. I think it was just the thing, the funny thing about it is that you, you start out, do, do the first Kooks album and I'm writing lots of like fun songs and having fun with it all and finding it all quite funny. And then, yeah, the second album I was like, I need to make, you know, I want to make like a serious album and like it's got to be really bluesy and like rock, you know, and, that, and that's cool and it's a great record. But but then I had to work my way back to going, oh, that's not really me, you know. So it's it's a funny journey you take on these things. What happens when you have some success? As as you know, I've had uh, a, a tiny touch of, of being a pop star for a very brief period of time. But oh, I love what happened? Oh, oh, bless you, mate. Uh, but what happens is which people don't understand is that you don't necessarily change, but everybody else changes around you and starts to mm. react very differently to you. Yeah, and that at yeah. seventeen years old must be, you know, for want of a better word, yeah. a head fuck. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I mean, in the context of humour as well, which I, it, people are very touchy these days about it, and I think that's dangerous because when, like you say, when you're in that, when you have like the yes men, or you're or you're making people money, essentially, people don't want to, they don't want to knock you down, they don't want to give you a jab, and then when you don't have that for quite a long time that has an impact and you're so used to it like your mates should be like roasting you that's how it should be you know you want to you got it's like not like life's about always trying to knock the ego out right it should yeah. be to try you know it's one of the sort of spiritual laws you know we need to always try and knock that but when you have yeah when you're in a situation that happens to exactly I'm sure you have a very similar experience where on, it's not just fame, it's loads of versions of that, you know, becoming successful in any way. All of a sudden, people aren't giving you those humorous knocks that should be there. And it's difficult to get people around you who will do that. Do you think that's why, I mean, in terms of... It's quite hard to know who to trust. And so you tend to get people from the same business because, you know, I mean, musicians are renowned for being like comedians and essentially, again, for want of a, a better term, taking the piss, you know. And, yeah, yeah. and when there's very... So you tend to mix with people who don't put you on a pedestal and so therefore can can deal with you in a humorous way yeah yeah i think 100% and if you don't then you know you, you can get in some issues but i think well, you're right i mean that's the that's the camaraderie of like when you you hang out with other other groups and stuff that's that because you're all in the same boat and then you can do that um 
so yeah, I think yeah, it's probably true. People... I've never told this story before, but I think it, it exemplifies what, and you will understand this, uh, when you're in a band and you're taken all over and you're driven to television studios and then you sit in a green room for nine hours while they fix mm. the lights and everything, and that's when the camaraderie of, of the band get to all back yeah. to get, uh, at, at a festival or something. And I I remember being in a green room of, uh, we were doing a TV show um, with Morris Smile and the Majors uh, and for our first hit, I think, for Start a Rap. And we'd got to know Wet, Wet, Wet very well, who people know, and the Stranglers. And we we're all in green rooms. And that we're in there with the very talented and brilliant uh, Terence Trent Darby, do you, oh, I don't wow. know if you remember yeah. who, I by do, the way, yeah. uh, and, and who, amazing voice, amazing writer, beautiful looking, unbelievable, but was taking himself at that time a little bit too seriously. <laughs> and mm-hmm. what happened is because he was in that mode of like, you know, I'm a serious artist. All the wet, wet, us, stranglers, everybody were essentially taking the piss out of him because he couldn't take the piss out of himself. And so we, you know, and we'd we'd start to realise that, you know, he was going, my name's Terence. And and, and we'd all call him Terry or Tell. And he just used yeah. to get more and more wound up about this Which fact. is more, more funny. <laughs> he just keeps going. Well, you know what musos are like. They're going, um. they're going to just pile in at that point. And, uh, <laughs> and so what do you feel about it? I mean, if you can't take the piss out of yourself, what happens? Do you think you get yeah. you lose it, essentially? I, I think a lot of people that does happen and they never get out of it, to be honest. But I think you end up quite miserable, to be fair. By the way, I think it's partly because you're so bored. Because everybody oh, yeah. thinks thinks that uh, you're in Barcelona, a hotel room in Barcelona now, and uh, I'm very I'm bored. sure. I'm very... <laughs> uh, well, uh, you're, obviously, you're chatting to me, Luke. You're going to be very bored. <laughs> um, but you're in there, and everybody will go, "Oh, it must be amazing!" Because, but most of the time, the reason you need a sense of humour is because probably. 22 hours out of the day, it's incredibly boring. And somebody drives you to the hotel, you sit in the room waiting for the limo, uh, to paraphrase Spinal Tap, you know, and um, that's, I mean, yeah, how I mean, do you that's deal the classic with it? Thing. Well, that, that's the classic thing. I, I think I, there's a good, I, I, I can't remember exactly, but there's a good Charlie Watts phrase, isn't there, a quote where he says, like, it's like basically you're paid. For hanging around i mean it's like you it, it it's kind of crazy because you, you know especially festivals you know you're just you're doing like 50 minute set and you've taken like three planes and you know <laughs> driven for five hours and you know so you have to come up with stuff to do um you know we quite we got like hugh in our in our band who is like you know he, he's uh we're like uh have a brotherly kind of relationship and but he you know we've been he's been in the band since the beginning and um with me and you know he he's good at that he he's very funny guy he he does bizarre stuff i mean really weird it gets it gets weird like 
just performed it. But he, I mean, he could have his own sitcom, to be honest. Uh, so you kind of need like one person like that, the kind of um, the, the kind who kind of keeps some kind of I don't know, yeah, silliness again going, and it does help. It does help. Is Hugh like the band Jester? Is it like the King's I, Court? <laughs> I, I almost would say, yeah, I mean, yeah, he does, yeah, it's a lot of um, that kind of thing. I could see him juggling for sure. <clears throat> um, you know, he'll just um, do whole sort of skits um, for us. So, yeah, I guess he is. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. I love it. I love it. It's brilliant. I wouldn't have it any other way. It's interesting because one of the things about being on the road with a band, having done it, is, I think, one of the most stressful things I've ever done in my life. <laughs> so having releases like that, that you're talking about, your relationship with Hugh and you bantering and everything, is a sense of humour vital to a band actually functioning and staying on the road? That's a good question. I mean... I think it's possible not, but I think it's quite sad. I mean, I've seen, I wouldn't mention names, but I mean, I've, I've, I've seen a lot of bands where they don't talk to each other. They have, sometimes they even have separate hotels. Um, and I think by that point you can function, but um, it, it it's not the same. And I think that's the kind of goal. I think it, in a way, like that's how you keep maybe it relevant for yourself because you have to, it gets to a point after you've toured for so long, um, you can't just do it just to make money, you know, you want, you, you still want to feel like you've got a connection with the people you play music with and, and I think, yes, I think humour like massively helps with that and I think like, like I said before, just like everyone being able to or afforded to, to like make jabs at each other is very important. Um, but but that's that bands you know it can get I mean it can get pretty weird but it's like family you know it's like stuff happens people do things things get taken the wrong way um, and you can have bad blood quite quickly and I, with us we we try to try to be as transparent with all that as we can because we've had all that but you just try and. Keep it, or, 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 you know, just kick them out of the band, which has happened as well. Yeah. Well, but isn't isn't uh, one of the things of a, a well-functioning band that you all have to... You you talked about um, Jagger and the Rolling Stones. When they were mm. looking for a new guitarist, um, the, they looked for somebody who would fit in and be fun because they'd been through a couple yeah. that hadn't. And now... Mick Taylor, you know, <laughs> apparently, great guitar player. Well, and who's Mick Taylor? Who's is a genius guitar player, but he Jeez. just didn't didn't but, yeah. fit in to the thing. So it, it's more yeah. important that you all get on, isn't it? And it's you so find yeah, it, it, yeah, it's so important. It's um, and in the studio as well. You know, it's the same in the studio because you're going to spend time. You're going to have creative decisions to make, and you need to have uh, have that kind of relationship yeah I mean, it's 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 but it's it's the holy grail it's what it's what um people are looking for and uh, and and there's a few bands that have maintained it i i think you know I, we i always took the um i always took the kind of hard line on it where i think some people don't you know like 
when it's not working you you it's so you know like the stones you know it's it, you can carry on but re refresh the the lineup and some people find that hard especially certain people fans you know find it hard but um and and there, a lot of that a few times that's been very mutual by the way but we yeah we i mean we've probably had more members than the rolling stones i would imagine we, <laughs> yeah but it keeps it it keeps it fresh sometimes and then it does take time to find it's like you don't know you don't exactly know how it's gonna play out until you are in those situations as well you can meet in the pub and it's like you get on great and then once uh yeah you're in a venue with no hot water and it's like a it, it, and it's like that kind of thing and then <clears throat> some people struggle with that and 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 so you have it takes time to 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 work that out the stress of the road is extraordinary because and and I know that everybody you know we we get many listeners all over the world and they're going to go yes yeah, stress you have to you know it's uh, <laughs> it's like the dire straits song you know money for nothing you know you, uh, you know you gosh, maybe yeah. get a blister on your little finger uh, that uh, but actually the stress of is the traveling the expectation the having to you know you uh, i mean no performer really cancel shows apart from if they've broken their back or something because yeah. the old showbiz the show must go on so in order to keep that lightness uh, and laughter do you think you have to you're a leader essentially do you think you have to lead with laughter and does that improve everything for the whole crew and the band I actually would argue that like different people in the band take that role at different times because you're always going to have <clears throat> a time um, where you just don't want to get up there, you know, if you're having a, a bad time or you're knackered or, you know, someone's passed away or you've broken up or something like that. And you have to, and, and you, and that, that, that is part of the job. And I think people, um, people, yes, of course. I, I mean, I, I find it amazing. I love touring and, but it's, but it is like, it's not, you're working some days you're working for like 25 hours i mean like and in the studio as well sometimes you're like so it's it it's actually sometimes it is um even much much more for long than probably most jobs um but you know it's a give and take it's still great fun and it's it's like anything in life it's how you it's what you make of it you can i've had periods and this is what i was saying about when i got a bit serious all of a sudden you you get a bit serious and then it's it's all like really stressful but if your outlook is gratitude and like this is really fun and um and there's not uh, you know there's not uh hopefully a, a really bad situation back at home or anything then it, it should be amazing um but it but it's knackering and like you know and like having like just just little things like having a cold becomes a really big deal so you have a cold <clears throat> you know if you're like doing a a, a normal job you just take a bit of lemsip and you you get on with it but if you've got to do a 12-hour flight and then you've got to go straight to a festival do five interviews and then go on stage that's a real pain in the ass when you've got a cold you know and it, it, it's then you become a bit like a baby you're a bit like, oh my god like, it's so hard for me life is so hard and you all you got is a fucking cold you know but it's like it it scales up to this huge issue for you well, yeah, and you can't phone in sick, can you? And you can't. You know? you can't. 
Like you say, I mean, the show must go on. This is that's well, that's right. I'm, I'm going to call up twenty thousand people and go. I've got a bit of a cold. <laughs> do, do you mind yeah. if I don't? You know, people. I, to be I, fair, people are very unforgiving. I mean, we. I've had it. I had it with, with uh, when our son was born. Right, uh, it was a bit of a touch and go situation, and I'm sure you know the story. But like, yeah. I, uh, I. I ended up having to watch the birth on FaceTime, but it was a very like it was a pretty life and death situation at the time, and uh, I had to cancel the festival. and And I mean, I, I, people just don't get it. They they you know, eventually they do, but the fans are like, oh whatever, just go the next day. And you're like, what? Like, that's, there's something funny about music like that. People think, yeah, like you say, it's like you've got an easy life, so why not? And it, and it is true to a degree, but. Hey, we're humans, you know what I mean? It's like sometimes well, there are things that trump the show. You know? <laughs> yes, I think the birth of a child did, uh, should trump any show. Uh, well, <laughs> we, you now have a child. You have the lovely Julian. Um, has he taught you anything about humour? And, and do you think you need a sense of humour to raise a child? Yeah, definitely like toilet humour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is it, um, yeah, he, he has. I mean, it's a purity, isn't it? It's like a... Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It, what's amazing to me <clears throat> is... um. The stuff that must be passed down genetically to be a human, the stuff that they in, in, in they just know, how, you know what I mean. They're not. It's not all just copying. I find that really interesting. And and humor. He's a very. I I I think already he seems like a very humorous 
person. I think he he he, he messes around with us, you know. Um, oh. And that, manipulates and that you. Cool. Well, yeah, <laughs> definitely. That. I know that's that's, that's the what next... they do. By the way, that's uh, that's yeah. the most amazing thing is that journey where where you realise. Yeah. You know the the whole um, crying for no reason just to get your attention. Thing. Have you ever tried this one? This is quite funny. If you, um, some people might not find this funny, by the way, but I, I think it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> if you if you have a kid, right? If you have a baby and you just hit the side, like hit 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 a door next to him or her, they'll think that they'll start crying, like as if they like knock their head. It's so funny. And you're like, nothing's happened. Nothing's happened. Do you know that babies are only born with two fears? Fear of falling and fear of loud noises. So it may also be something oh, to do with that. <laughs> it might be. But, but do you know, did you do the thing that when you got back and uh, you have, first have a baby, you put your uh, finger into their hand and they hold your, uh, your yeah. finger? Do you know mm. that? And you go into that extraordinary place of, oh, my God, it's mm. pure love and everything. And actually, it's just biological that many people are born, um, you know, when there are uh, floods and things. So they babies are, uh, are biologically programmed to hold on to anything. So as it's soon amazing. as they're born, they hold on. But of it's course, wild. us... Oh, I mean, it is completely wild. wild. But we, being humans, always go. No, it's because they really love me. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, so, yeah, yeah. So true. Well, I mean, so Julian's only uh, just over a year old now, isn't he? So uh, I don't think, but he's already laughing, isn't he? And he's already oh, yeah. giggling and laughing. Um, yeah. You know that children laugh between three and four hundred times a day, and adults only wow. laugh on average seventeen point five times a day. So, what what do you think we can learn from children? And I'm I'm very drawn to the fact that mm. that you introduced the thing of silliness on stage. Do you think that's mm. why people are so drawn to that silliness? Because it's childlike. I think that's really insightful. I, I I'd never really thought about that, but I think um, I think you can learn a lot from uh, the innocence and the and and maybe maybe even deeper to think like what we're actually meant to be. You know, maybe that's something to think about. Like that we aren't human. You know, modern humans. Maybe we're not actually uh, our behaviour patterns have been. You know, kind of. Um, skewed quite a lot because actually the natural um the natural way of a baby who has no outside interference is to laugh that many times which is incredible so maybe it's something there and you but you find it it's you it's like euphoria i mean me and Elle were in the studio quite recently and there was just one night where we just had i haven't had like giggles like that for a lot like we it was like half an hour of we we had this joke it it probably wouldn't sound that funny, but it was like we've been we've been working for like twenty hours, you know, and um, and it's like the euphoria that that creates um, is is like really palpable or whatever. You really feel it, and it probably it's it probably helps with everything. It probably helps with your immune system. It probably helps with you know your I don't know your skin. I mean I don't know. I mean I think I think that there's something there and. 
I know there's like laughter therapy and things like that. Um, but it's all, it's also like intention, you know, just on a level as a human, if you, you see people, everyone has their different ways of communication, but the, the people that they're big hearted and they're always making you laugh and laughing, uh, not comedians necessarily actually, because comedians often aren't like that. They're actually in person, not like that at all. But those kind of people who are very, very, you know, uh, they do seem genuinely happy and good and healthy, you know. And uh, and but I think you make a, a brilliant point. You know that that release of laughter and the endorphins it yeah. creates is just one of the most intoxicating things that you can get, uh, and mm. it's extraordinary. Do you get that same? I mean. You go on stage and you are adored, which is uh, a lovely thing and, and, and rightly you should be. But <laughs> don't think everyone that... agrees with that. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but but is that um, the drug that, uh, that is hard to replace? Is that that uh, that feeling of love that comes back and that? euphoria because mm. we talked about the euphoria of laughter but that same thing mm. which happens in an audience is, is that a hard drug to replace yeah it's heavy it's heavy and I, and I missed it when we were thought I won't even mention what it was because it's over there but you know when you had um imposed stop to it um yes like I mean I really it, it was like withdrawal definitely um and it's and it's a sim it is a similar feeling to yeah that kind of thing like um, having a laughing fit in some ways but I mean it, it, there's multiple layers to it <clears throat> with music because there's um, there's something about live like actually like you never know what's going to actually happen and that and and I'm really big fan of like mistakes I love mistakes I think it's like really important um, things going slightly wrong and then coming back and, it, and it, it makes you feel alive because you know excuse the pun but it's like there's something about live music which is like it, it will never ha happen the same again and, I, and and you're kind of on this knife edge um especially at like it's not even like necessarily the bigger gigs but just certain gigs where you you're feeling like um when you're not on the autopilot because we play so much sometimes you're just like yeah. Doing it, and then you get these like magical gigs, which where you just feel you're like living exactly in the moment, and it's like nothing matters, and that is like meditation or something, or like, or like drugs, or like you know, it's like time can stop and things like that. Um, and and I and yeah, of course, the audience, um, it's a buzz because it's it's like when you feel like everyone in the room is in sync, and that doesn't happen very often when you feel like everyone is like. It's amazing, and that, and that's why you know, like the 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 old boys are still doing it. They don't need the money. Then you know, what I mean, they don't need another fifty million. They're, but they're like they they want they they miss it. They it's 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 amazing, and so you, you know the the the, the goal is, is to be, be a jobbing musician until you literally can't hold a guitar. Uh, I, well, and why not? Because if you love it, I, I agree. I don't understand retirement. If you've chosen a job that you love, you'll never work <laughs> another day in your life. But I'm really interested mm. by what you said about being in sync. 
because I think that's the the connection between comedy and music is uh, about mm. rhythm, obviously, but it's also that thing about reaction and being in sync. Mm. And that is 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 just so compelling, isn't it? Mm. You 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 have that ability. I mean, I'm sure you've done it on stage when you've said something and everybody's laughed as a thing, mm. and it may have been as a result of a mistake or something which you just owned up to. But that's mm. fantastic feeling, yeah. and having, I think that's what brings so many comedians and musicians together. Is those two things the rhythm and being in sync? Do you, do you think that's true or 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 right? I do. I mean, I think sometimes. I mean, it just the thing is, with performing just it's like, especially when I guess it's very similar with stand-up comedies. You, you you've got to judge the room at the time, and it's not that I would like change the set, but you change your because you've got to break the ice essentially. That's that's the key, and sometimes it's already broken for you if you go out and everyone's just like drunk and like up for it, or they're just really excited. But um, sometimes you have to really work for it, and and I like I I say I've seen stand up. You know, it's like sometimes it's like quite flat, and you just have to find that moment of something. And literally, for me, it could be like a bum wiggle, or it can be like. Um, <laughs> talking to someone in the audience or whatever or or cracking a joke or like you say sometimes like if you mess up a song you stop and you go I fucked it up guys we're starting again <laughs> and it's like all of a sudden and you, you're kind of like oh I'm meant to be a pro and then everyone loves it and they you know it, and it's it's weird and I think um that's yeah that's that's the looseness again you know it, and and it's what makes it fun again what I love about that is because the whole humorology project is is a i always say it's not about uh, comedy or anything i think it's about humanity it's about humility as well mm. as good humor and the fact that, that i love the idea that you can go do you know what the mistakes are where uh, the beauty happens but you've mm. just described that when you make a mistake and you know you know the band all start in f and and you're in g it's happened. It's happened. <laughs> of Literally. Yeah. And then you just hold your hands up. That's the beauty of of the, yeah. the humanity coming out, and yeah. everybody can relate to that. And that's, yeah. I think, where it's it happens. Great. I mean, I saw I, I, when we we were supporting the the Stones, like you know, Keith on one of the shows, like he the first the first song start me up and he 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 played a semitone up of the riff right and and then he comes down with the band and they're all like have like take they're all like laughing you know what i mean and you're like it's great it's brilliant and he's fucking keith richards it's like great you know um i mean you don't get that a lot of the time these days the amount of times you like do something that is wrong and then you listen back and you're like that's actually really interesting and really cool. And then you kind of develop that idea. I'm really interested in happy accidents because I think um, that humour aids creativity. And I don't know how you mm. feel like that. But in order to have happy accidents, you have to be happy, don't you? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. Because otherwise you wouldn't let it fly, would you? You'd just be anal. 
<laughs> and, and isn't that well that but i think that a, a lot of reasons that people don't succeed and obviously that's what we talk about in humorology is because people are too uptight to be properly creative and i maybe you can just talk about because you've written some fantastic songs and you're a great performer as well but those those happy accidents and your creativity what is the attitude what, what uh, that you have to allow that because people want to create in mm. all kinds of medium what do you find is the best way to be in order to be mm. at your most creative firstly very kind words i mean i i i'd like to think i get i get to these points but um for me i think one of the things i've i've had told like people have said to me in a funny way is that like i'm very quick to just be like that's great like I'm I, I I choose what like I I have my opinion quite quick and I'm just like do it you know don't overthink it and I think the, the fear is the it, overthinking and the fear is 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 a bad thing so you want like if you if you you know I, I'm a big Dylan fan you know and it's like when you you, you read about his early stuff um he would get, you know, he would write these songs and he would just get the musicians. They didn't even know what chords they were playing. Do you know what I mean? And, they, and, it, and it's like second take, you know, if you listen to like a, like a Rolling Stone or whatever and you, yeah. you solo all the instruments and they're all mad. Like, I mean, the organ's like wrong, everything's wrong, but together something really magic happens. And I'm not saying that I do that all the time, but sometimes that's really cool, just being very impulsive and something I've learned with vocals, for example, is just like first takes, second takes, you know. Um, I've been guilty of the other way, and same with, with, with any artist. Like Dylan's made lots of polished records, you know, but it's like um, there's something, uh, it's cool to do that stuff, but it, sometimes what's important is to, like you say, not be, not think too far in the future even. It's just like doing it, um, being quite impulsive. And if it doesn't work, who cares? It's trusting your instincts, mm. isn't it? And and going. It is, it is. But but I also I I really it's very hard to do. But I I often just try. You try and think what like the people listening to it. You know what I mean? They they don't want it. They people want. They don't want like um, or I don't want to hear something that seems laboured. Do you know or what I mean? Too perfect. Perfect isn't yeah. necessarily attractive, is it? Even in a person, you know, the you know the the perfect body, the perfect look, that's not necessarily the most attractive. And I think that's true in music. I think and and in humour, it's you don't want it absolutely perfect. You want yeah. it, you know, with a little bit. Well, it has to feel natural, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. and and with humour, you know, sometimes it has to be close to the line. And I mean, the line is different for everyone, but sometimes with humour, it's got to be close to the line because almost you're like, can you say that? Did he just say that? Did she just say that? You know, it's, it, that's part of humour, that why it breaks you out of um, out of the, the normal life because it's the absurd, absurdity as well sometimes. Have you ever sort of crossed the line and gone too far? You don't have to tell us how and when, but <laughs> I'm presuming you must have done in order to to pull yourself back. Yeah, I definitely have in songs, in songwriting. 
I think um, I, I wrote a song called Mrs. Thompson and the lyrics. I'm not even going to repeat it. With, <laughs> I thought they were really funny, but in hindsight, not so funny. <laughs> and I, luckily, uh, we, we, I think it was just a B-side. That's not really my style is to, in, yeah. as a, in a way. Do you know what I mean? I like don't really crack jokes on the line because I, I probably would get it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, but on a broader scale, do you think that you can be a good communicator without understanding humour? I mean, because some of your songs are, are have a, a wonderful lightness and a humorous edge to them, don't they? They're not sort of... Oh, uh, yeah, I hope so. Yeah. No, no, no. But I mean, I think, you know, I've I've seen an audience go absolutely mental just hearing the first chords of Seaside, for instance, mm. where, whereby they know that that's just a lightness and a wonderful uh, atmosphere about it. But can a great communicator be great without humour? I, I just wonder, because the Beatles understood humour. I think Dylan mm. understood humour. Yeah. Oh, um, definitely, yeah. He's got some really fun ones. Well, yeah, I um, mean, so there's stuff on Blood on the Tracks, which is so yeah. cruel <laughs> yeah. that it's humorous. You, yeah. Exactly. Well, it's that Positively 4th Street. Fucking hilarious. Or, oh, yeah. And, or Subterranean Homesick Blues. Uh, and oh, and actually, on Blood on the Tracks, um, uh, the idiot wind. Is... Oh yeah, idiot wind. <laughs> yeah, every time you open him, it's so yeah, and it's cool, it's cool humor, but it's it's brilliant. I mean, it, and it and he does understand, uh, or he does go there, and that's well, um, I think that's quite tongue in cheek. There are people you could you could name like maybe like Tom York, who's a genius, but. He doesn't really have much humour. Um, but then he's got like weird fishes, maybe. He's quite a strange light. He's quite abstract and weird. But So I guess you can think, think of a few people who communicate without putting too much humour in their music. But I think it definitely helps a lot. And I think, um, the, I think the best, particularly like, yeah, like in the, in, in the 60s, people were very good at it. And I and I miss that a bit. I think people were very good at it in that era of 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 tracing that line of like, yeah, like it's it's deep, but with a real light touch and humour. And 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 I I, I guess in the seventies it got all a bit more serious, but um, and the eighties came and it was all fun again. <laughs> Well, that's, you know, uh, Morris Minor and Majors came in the 80s. What can I tell you, you know? There you go. You're <laughs> it. It's interesting because when you were talking about the fun in the 60s and other thing, I, I automatically, you already mentioned, thought of the kinks and that, that yeah. very, I mean, you know, dedicated follower of fashion and things yeah. like that, that, that are just fun, observant, absurd mm. songs about that sort of strange people which i i actually mm -hmm. really love um, and the british empire you know and like just really like in a, in a humorous way making uh social commentary where it's not really it's it's not too heavy so it's like it makes you think and it yeah. puts a mirror up to society but it's fucking funny <laughs> so it's like yeah. you know it's not 
not Dean McLoon. You've been on stages all over the world and, and, and worked some of the hardest audiences at festivals and in clubs. and, and, and Now, people listening to this, most of them are scared of just standing on stage. Um, what advice would you give to anyone out there who has to get up on stage, even if it's just to make a speech at a leaving do or a wedding? What, what advice would you give to them? It's a bit like skydiving. It's like on the way up, it's kind of hard. But then when you jump out, it's all up. <laughs> I think it's great. I think um, it's, it's freedom to me. It's freedom. I think people um, I think people who think it will be quite difficult will be surprised. And it takes time as well. It takes a minute um, maybe to be comfortable in there. But... Um, the main thing I'd say is just the attitude has to be like, it, whatever happens, it's okay. It doesn't, you know, it's not, it's not nuclear war. You know, it's like, it's going to be all right. And people have got your back. People, I mean, I find, for example, I find it very hard. I don't mind admitting, I find it very hard, like public speaking, which is funny because you're obviously incredible. That's, that's, that's what you do. And you're very comfortable in that situation. But I find that, I, I, I find that builds up. But then once you're on there and you do it, it's like it, it, everyone's like on side, you know what I mean? Everyone wants uh, wants to laugh and have a good time. So, yeah. Isn't that just uh, the attitude thing? Because I thought it was very interesting that you're talking about having an attitude of, uh, of like, they're lovely. All the audience are, lo- are going to be lovely and they're going to be on your side. So it's about adjusting your attitude beforehand isn't it yeah and if they're not then make them (laughs) it's possible it's uh, it's uh, yeah i don't know i don't know it's i think yes adjusting the attitude is the it it, it is the only way because um you're if you don't do it it's the kind of thing it's like if you don't do it and get out there and try at least like you're you're not uh experiencing something really amazing in life and and that's that you should look at it like that it's like an experience thing you know oh that's interesting so what do you actually do what's your thought process before you go on uh <laughs> um it depends you know it really depends usually i'm just thinking about like the washing i gotta do <laughs> <laughs> like thinking about people i need to call back like no but it I, I guess um, I'm lucky because, you know, I've got, when I play with the boys, all, we're all there together. We can just have a laugh. And, um, you know, I, you, obviously you get a bit nervous for it or, or you get like uh, the, the kind of adrenaline pumping when you're backstage ready to go on. Um, but I, I love it. I find it, it's, it's great. So I usually, I'm pacing around a bit, listen to some music loud and I'll probably have a shot of tequila. Nice. Well, there's a there's a great bit of advice for everybody. <laughs> Have a shot at tequila before you go. It works. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is. Well, no, it's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, I always say to people that, uh, psychologically speaking, there are two types of people in the world. There are those who get nervous and there are liars. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, mm-hmm. But it's true because, you know, you've worked for 
20 odd years have been working the biggest stages in the world and and festivals and and arenas uh, and yet you still have that nerve that those nerves oh yeah it's normal it's how you channel those nerves isn't it yes and um it never goes away and it's also to be embraced really because that's the fun of it you know what what's the point it's like you otherwise you just be robotic on stage i mean to be a great performer you need that those that adrenaline that nervousness um it means it means something i think and so yeah yeah um I mean, I'm not gonna lie. There are, you know, there are occasionally gigs where you just, I don't know, it just doesn't cross your mind. But, but almost like 99%, yeah, you're there and you're kind of like, okay, here we go, here we go. Well, you look forward to it, don't you? You look forward because mm. it's uh, that little adrenaline rush. Is mm. I mean, it's if we go back to biological imperatives, it's getting you ready, isn't it? Fight or flight. Yeah. Fight or. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a funny way of looking at it. It kind of is. It's it, it's a bit like that. Um, or going over the trenches. You know, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is, but but it's it's how you frame it for your uh, for in your world. Um, we, well, we've reached the part of the show, Luke, which we like to call quick fire questions. Quick fire questions. <laughs> That's where we have the sting, so, by the way. In, That's where we okay. have the sting. No, by the way, you can go on for as long as you like. It doesn't matter. It is. We call them quick fire questions, but some people ask, answer for 10 minutes without each question. So it doesn't have All to right. be. Um, so uh, quick fire question number one. Uh, this is a strange one, and I don't know if you've got an answer for this, but, but who's the funniest business person that you've met? Probably my my brother-in-law now uh just married my sister dan french he he's a ceo no one's quite sure what he does exactly it's something to do with software very successful very cool guy and he, he is uh just he just his humor is just filthy it's, it's, <laughs> he's brilliant he's very funny he, he makes me laugh a lot um and he yeah he he's a very jovial man so I'll pick him. Shout out to Dan, Dan French, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> the f- the funniest man in business. Now we've got something <laughs> to live up to, Dan, haven't you? Um, what book makes you laugh, Luke? There's a book that I've read a few times that uh, it gets quite dark, but the beginning always, like I'd be in tears and laughter, is um, The Rum Diary, Hunter S. Thompson. Oh. It's very yeah. funny, very funny. Um, so I'll pick that one. Yes, Hunter S. Thompson, Rum Diary. I must look it up. I, I, I Good have one. read, I have read some Hunter S. Thompson, but not that one. What film makes you laugh, Luke? Trading Places. <gasps> Eddie Murphy. <laughs> that one sprung into my mind. I mean, I love that kind of era of comedy, and. Uh, yeah, that always gets me going. Are you the only musician in the world who is not going to ma- name Spinal Tap as one of your favourites? <laughs> you know what? I, I love that, but I haven't seen it for a long time. And it's actually, we, we've we all been saying we, we're on tour, we're going to rent a cinema and 
screen it while we're on top because everyone's been talking about how long they how long it's been since they've seen it. So yeah, that one oh. is good. It's very very accurate, which everyone must say. Oh, I mean, I've well. literally yeah. I mean, I've literally been trying to find the stage for an hour. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> Just take a little jug to the right when you get to the end. Yeah. <laughs> so good. So so good. Have you have you had that situation whereby um, you've probably been the band who have seen the band who's on the way down, and you're the band coming up? You know the scene in Spinal Tap where one band is playing the Enormodome. And oh, the other yeah. band. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely done, done that. There's a few. There's the, the one in the. Is it in Nottingham? There's the famous venue where it's like there's there's three venues. It's the one that is actually it, It's, I think it's an Ozzy Osbourne um, story of of where he couldn't find the stage because there's um, three venues. <clears throat> and yeah, we have we have experienced that. Yeah, it can be yeah. quite awkward sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> And then have you turned round afterwards and gone to the lead singer? He's got that much talent. That much talent. <laughs> Next time. Next time. Next time. Um, all right, well, let's take a shift to the other side, uh, Luke, because uh, we're going to ask the question, what's not funny? I mean, I'm... A, you see, for me, it's like, in, in the right context, I think anything can be funny. And I think that's quite important to quite to. I, it's very topical at the moment with comedy, um, what is all right and what's not all right. But I think it, if it, it I, I think it's all about. Um, this is something Ellie always says that I think is very wise. Uh, it's all about the intention, and it's like if the intention is good and and it's it's funny, then I think you can go there. Um, so that's my answer. Sorry, it's a bit uh, of a cop out. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think it is, and I. I think I always worry that uh, who's going to be in charge of deciding what's funny, um, mm. and you know, does it come down because everything comes down to personal taste, and I, I think Ellie is very wise in saying that because if your intent is right you can laugh about anything, you know, because, uh, yeah. but if you're deliberately punching down to hurt someone, exactly. then your intent isn't right. That, that's exactly how I see it. So it's a bit, it's, it's a bit up to um, interpretation, but yes, I really believe that a hundred percent. And we, and, and that's, uh, that's how it should be because that's part of humor as well is to, we've got, you, we've got to, We've got to use it as a, as, as a nice, uh, fun way of bringing up big subjects sometimes that are harder to talk about. Excellent point. Excellent point. It's a, it's a good lead in to, uh, to difficult things. I think that's uh, brilliant. What word makes you laugh? Gnome. <laughs> but I don't. Maybe it's because of David Bowie. I don't know. No, no. Well, yeah. No. I thought of Bowie <laughs> immediately. Actually, the you laughing did? gnome. Yeah, yeah. We had it on the other day. Uh, um, the roses. Yeah. Um, it. It. I. I. I've always found um, the silent G to be quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I don't know. No. 
Nobody on the Humorology podcast has chosen Gnome yet, so Gnome is all yours. And everything. Ain't you got no Gnome to go to is the gag at the end (laughs) of the David Bowie thing, isn't it? So good. So good. (laughs) What sound makes you laugh? My kid laughing. (laughs) Yeah. I thought that might be it. Oh, I don't, it's... yeah, off the top of my head. No, yeah. but that's beautiful as well, isn't it? And, and yeah. I don't think there's any purer form of laughter than the laughter of a child and the way yeah. it hits a parent is just... Yeah, you can't not stop. laugh, right? It's like a yeah. reality. It's, it's an, it's, you don't even think about it. It's just... Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. That's beautiful. Would you rather be considered clever or funny, Luke? That's a that's a difficult question. Can I have both? <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna to have to pay the extra. I, uh, <laughs> I guess um, cause I don't really think of myself as being that funny, so I think clever. Okay. Intellectual. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Windswept, intellectual, and interesting. You got it. That's it. That's how I would like to be perceived. <laughs> Unfortunately, that hasn't happened yet, but <laughs> maybe one day. <laughs> one day. Uh, and finally, Luke, desert island gags. You can only take one joke with you to a desert island. What would it be? Um, because I'm an, a musician, I guess it's the dr- it's got to be a drummer joke. And uh, the one... Uh, how do you know when a drummer's knocking on your door? Speeds up towards the end. <laughs> Absolutely. How was the delivery, brilliant. Paul? How was oh, the delivery? Was it all right? Perfect. And it, it did speed up towards the end, to be frank. But uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's punchline. Oh, that's brilliant. And uh, so topical and so musical and uh, so brilliant. Thank you so much for being a fantastic guest on the Humorology podcast, Luke. It's been a pleasure. It's been insightful. And thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, all the love. All the love and and all the laughter. There you go. Thanks, mate. Cheers. The Humorology Podcast was hosted by Paul Barros. Produced by David Rose. Music by Steve Hayworth. Creative direction by Les Hughes. And additional research by Helen Sykes. Please remember to subscribe, like and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a Big Sky production.